So, Jimmy, I understand you came to Kelowna in 1973, mm-hmm. about 35 years ago. So t- tell us that story. Well, my dad was a diesel mechanic for Manitoba Hydro, and he uh, semi-retired. Um, and it was actually because my brother's family had moved out here to Kelowna, and we came to visit him. And that's all it takes for anybody who's, you know, from anywhere else. You come and you you have one visit to Kelowna, and you, generally that's enough to go, yeah, I'm moving here. So how old were you at that time, if you don't mind saying? I was nine. Nine. Yeah. So I just started, I guess it would be grade four when I got here. Yeah, at Rutland Elementary. Right. Yeah. And... Did you have any objections or your parents said that's where we're going? So you're like, okay, fine. No, absolutely not a rejection, not any kind of, um, uh, yeah, problem with moving here at all. Because that first time we came out, I remember saying to my parents, I love BC. As soon as we crossed the border, it was, and you know, I was just a kid. I didn't know anything about anything. Right. But I knew that I liked BC. The weather was so nice. The scenery coming from Northern Manitoba, it's pretty bleak. Right. You know, there's not a lot of mountains, not a lot of, you know, of anything really to look at. So mm-hmm. Kelowna, you know, was just absolutely like paradise. Right. So I, I've been here for seven years. I haven't met too many people that have been here as long as you. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about some of the changes that you've seen in this city. Pretty dramatic, I guess. Oh, for sure. Yeah. One of the... Um, I think one of the biggest changes is just the development and how Kelowna has spread out. When we first moved here, my parents bought a piece of property on McCurdy Road, a big five-acre parcel of land that my dad began building houses on and subdividing. And pretty much all around us was orchards back in those days in, in Rutland, you know. There was so much orchard land. It was it was amazing, and it slowly but surely that's what's changed the most. If you ask me, is the is the fact that a lot of that's gone now, and there's a lot of houses in the, in its place. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that's still like besides natural features like the lake? I mean, are there any buildings that are still intact that you remember from being a kid? Actually, yeah, there's a lot of buildings that are still here. Um, of course, I ended up going to KSS when it was right on the corner of, of Richter and the highway there, and it's gone now, and they're putting up all those apartment buildings there. Right. But, like, there was, a, like, the where the old Woolworths used to be, there's, a, you know, they're going to eventually do something with that right on Main Street. And the Paramount Theater was always an, an iconic building, and it's good to see the craft brewery in there now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was, you know, there's a lot of changes. Uh, Orchard Park was, seemed like it was out of town mm-hmm. compared to, you know, it was like a bit of a drive to get there because it was kind of on the outskirts. Now it's, it seems like it's right in the middle of town. Right. Um, my brother used to live in West Kelowna, so we used to drive across the old Okanagan, uh, Okanagan Bridge, you know, right. and the lift span and all that. And... That was always interesting. You you just, your timing, you never know whether the lift band was going up or not, and you could get stuck on the bridge, right. you know, behind that thing. But that was always neat. It was it was always, an, like, as a kid especially, it was an adventure to to see that lift band going up and down. Yeah. So that was a big, iconic thing in Kelowna. And it seemed like, you know, because things have grown so much, it seemed like driving to West Bank to see my brother was a big adventure. 
Right. You know, oh, it's going to be a big drive and, you know. Yeah. And nowadays it just seems like nothing, right? right. You know, it's yeah. so close by. The downtown has changed quite dramatically too, right? I mean, I don't even think the uh, skating rink was there 10 years ago. Yeah, well, of course, Prospera wasn't there yet. Um, you know, there's a lot of changes. A lot of the, when, especially entertainment-wise, back in the day, most of our concerts used to come to the Kelowna Memorial Arena, which is is pretty neat because that's basically an old hockey barn, right? Right. It's uh, it the acoustics weren't very good, and you know, everybody used to complain about you know the echoey sound in there, and yeah. But I mean, that's where I saw a lot of my first great shows, April Wine and Heart and all these wow. bands that came to town back in the 70s, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Still, still there. Right? It's still yeah. there, yeah. It's uh, the Natural Museum now for the military. Yeah. And uh, so that's one of the buildings that are still around. Um, what else? There's, there's just, you know, it's grown up so much around everything, you know. The, yeah. But there is still a few, like the train station that they turned into the pub now, that was always sitting there empty for years and years. There was, you know, after they decommissioned that building, it just sat there. And yeah. we always thought, man, that would be a great little place for a pub. So I'm yeah. glad, glad they did that. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So have you always played music since you were little? Yes. My parents <laughs> recognized the uh, indisputable fact that I was going to sing. I was four years old. Um I can remember it quite clearly, Clearwater Lake in Manitoba. My sister-in-law had an acoustic guitar, and she let me plunk away on it. And so they tuned it to an open chord so I could just strum. And I would go out and sit on the porch of that cabin and sing and just, you know, spend the whole day out there singing and playing that guitar. And so they recognized that. They put me in vocal lessons. So by the time I was seven, I had already won my first vocal award. In the, in the festivals, wow. and then by the time I was nine, they put me in guitar lessons, and yeah, the rest is history, as they say. And you're still playing and singing today. Mm-hmm. Did, the, uh, did the smoke, the recent smoke, affect your voice at all? No, I'm lucky that way, as, as my friend Mike Jervis used to say, he has a voice that could sing through pneumonia. So um, I'm very lucky that I've been blessed with a, a very sturdy voice um i haven't had any real problems smoke or otherwise um for mm. years and years i've been blessed with with a with an iron right. <laughs> an iron lung and a, and a leather voice leather throat yeah <laughs> so who was anita tozer um anita tozer was a philanthropist um she did so much charity work um around Kelowna and i'm i'm just learning her story now that since i've won the award I'm researching her more and finding out more of all the wonderful things she did around Kelowna. And the Tozer family, of course, was uh, involved in the Capri Hotel. And, and I met Alan Tozer, her son, when I used to work there at, at the Capri. Right. And, yeah, she was an amazing person, did a lot of, of really heartwarming things for people in this area. Luke Mankus is a realtor with Remax Kelowna. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011. And he always says, yeah, one regret, and that is he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. 
so he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273 to chat with Luke about real estate. So you won the Anita Tozer Award last year in 2017. Mm-hmm. Tell us what is that award and how did you get selected? Well, that's a really awesome um, way of, of thanking the community, really, that award. It's about um, recognizing people who improve the quality of life in Kelowna. That's the way they described it to me. And because I've done so much charity work and I've helped lots of young bands sort of get their start, and I guess just generally making people happy in Kelowna, that was enough reason for them to nominate me for the award. And mm. And it's, it's really special to me because I don't do those things, you know, for profit. I do them because I love playing music and I love making people happy. That's really what it's about. So, yeah. so it was nice to be awarded that, mm-hmm. an honor. So is, that, is music your main line of work or do you have another profession? It is my total life-consuming work, <laughs> right. yeah. I, um, I made the decision in 1987 to go full-time music. I had a job at Wentworth Music. Wentworth Music's been around the whole time, too. Right. They've been an institution in this in this city for many, many years. Same location? Um, they were over on Sutherland originally. Oh, okay. Yeah, but then they yeah they kept getting bigger and bigger and, and buying out some of the other stores like Paramount Music. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're really a big part of the com- musical community here in Kelowna, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I had a job there, and I was finding it hard to to do my job all day long and then go out and play music at night. And so I decided, you know, if I really want to make a go of it, I have to decide and pick one or the other. Am yeah. I going to be a job guy or am I going to be a music guy? So I decided to go full-time music, and I haven't looked back. Right? Yeah. So tell us about some of the gigs that you're doing now in Kelowna. Well, I've been really fortunate. I get, um, I'm get i pretty much one of the first call guys for most of the gigs around. When people need something, whether they need a, a band for a wedding or for one of their private parties at their houses or pretty much all the musical opportunities that come along, um, because I've been here for so long, I get a lot of the first calls. And so I'm very fortunate that I get so much work. And recently, I've been stretching my limbs a little bit and taking on some theater, which is really fun. I uh, I was the guitar player in Rock of Ages for a couple of years, did a couple runs on that show, and it was really fun, and I caught the theater bug. Some friends of mine wrote a theater production that I helped uh, record in the studio. I have my own recording studio as well. 
So that's nice. That kind of, um, it helps me uh, stay in contact with people in other genres because I record, I'll record pretty much anybody who's interested in coming to my studio and recording. Mm -hmm. So I've recorded jazz and I've recorded opera and country music and all kinds of different genres. So I find that really interesting, Mm -hmm. even though I don't play a lot of that kind of music. My music is more mainstream rock and pop and acoustic kind of stuff. And so having the studio has been really great, too. So between the studio, uh, the bar gigs that I play, and, you know, just whatever gets thrown at me that I take over the years, it's, it's been great, and I've done a lot of wonderful things. Nice. Tell us a little bit about your studio. Where is it uh, located? And how do people get in touch with you if they want some recording time? And do you do the uh, engineering work mm-hmm. as well? Yes, Um I was working for Vitas Sinkavichis, who is a uh, who was a studio owner in the early 2000s, and that's kind of where I got my studio training. He was a he was a great mentor, taught me a lot of things. And when he decided to close down his studio, I had quite a few clients still on the back burners, and they wanted to keep recording. So I decided to buy some of his equipment and add some of the you know go around shop and and come up with my own gear. And uh, I have a, a basement in a house up near Mission Hill, mm. and uh, it's a great location with a nice view and a very well-insulated music room. And if people want to get a hold of me, um, probably my website is the best idea, and that's jimmylegs.ca. And that's where I get a lot of my interest coming from, is from the website. And you can also see my schedule on there where I play with the band and solo and so on. Nice. Mm-hmm. So recently you've done some tribute concerts for Gord Downey and Tom Petty. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, what do Tom Petty and Gord Downey mean to you personally? Well, you know, I think it's pretty obvious to most Canadians that Gord Downey is a, a national treasure. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet those guys on their very first tour back in 1987 when they came through Kelowna and played the old cave nightclub, which is long gone. And uh, they were really nice guys. They're the same age as me, so they were always an inspiration um, to keep recording and writing music. I got to open for them over the years, a couple other shows when they came through. Um, So I actually got to stay in contact a little bit with them. And then we, we, of course, every, every Canadian followed, you know, Gord's tragedy and watched on TV as he did his last shows and, and all mourned together when he passed. And so I think, I think there was a lot of tributes like this all over Canada. I think everybody in every town had pulled their local bands together and did some kind of tribute to Gord because he is so special and so so inspiring to all of us musicians and other people and, and his native concerns as well. I mean, he just touched so many people that it was really obvious and really easy, actually, to get a bunch of people together to do a, a tribute to him. Tom Petty, on the other hand, is obviously international and touched the whole world. Um, that was another thing that was presented to me. Just shortly after he passed, there was already a band called Breakdown doing a Tom Petty tribute, and they're really good, and the guy looks like Tom Petty, Martin Jones. He's just a dead ringer for the Tom Petty character, sings and plays really well, 
and the band is super full of really talented people. And they just approached me because um, they saw, actually they saw the Tom, the Gord Downey tribute and thought, wow, we got to get this guy in our band too. So, so yeah, I'm very fortunate that I get asked to do these things. And um, yeah, to me, it's, it's a way of giving back a little bit, you know, to the people. It's not always about me, you know, sometimes it's nice to pay tribute to other people. Sure. So what do you like doing more? Do you like playing or engineering and producing for, for other people? Or is it the same? I would have to say that I enjoy all the aspects of my career equally. Um, I love playing in the band just because of the energy of it. Um, we play different songs than I would say in my solo acoustic act. I also have a solo acoustic act that I play coffee shops and smaller lounges and, and uh, big white in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy playing solo too because it's freeing and you can play whatever song you want. You don't, the whole band doesn't have to know what you're about to do. So that's really nice too. The engineering, I really like the fact that people come into my studio expecting a certain amount of quality and, and their product to turn out good. And I, my, my mantra is always to make them happier than they would expect to be. So when I see those smiling faces listening back to the songs afterwards and people are super happy about it, that's really fulfilling too. So, I mean, that, the theater stuff, it's all great. And I couldn't say that I like one better than the other. They're right. just all so wonderful. Jimmy, I wonder what you think if uh, you sent us an MP3 track of one of your recordings Mm -hmm. and we put it at the tail end of this show so that people who haven't heard you before can get a little taste. And uh, we're certainly going to put the links to your studio and your schedule in the show notes here. Nice. I would love to do that for you. I have some new stuff, actually, that I haven't released yet. So maybe uh, this would be a good spot to to do a little pre-release. Great. Yeah. Which track? I'm thinking probably um, one of my latest songs is Learning Curve. It's a song I wrote um, kind of on a deadline. A friend of mine came to me and and wanted to record it for me. He he works and owns Frequency Winery. Mm. And uh, he brings musicians into his winery to, I guess, um, to the frequencies and, and all the vibrations affect his wine and the way it turns out yes. is the way that he describes it to me. He, We've had him up on the show. Yeah. So, yeah. Tony's a wonderful guy. And so when he asked me to do that, that project for him, I didn't have a new song to play. Mm. And it was, you know, that day he says, yeah, come on in this afternoon. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? I don't have anything new. So I sat down and, my guitar was still in the same tuning from a song I had just learned by Neil Young. Right. And so I just started playing in that tuning, and it was a little bit out of my comfort zone because I'm not used to that tuning. And this song just came pouring out of me. And it's, it, it's a lot about how I'm feeling these days, how my I'm starting to get the old achy bones from being, you know, in my 50s and... Mm-hmm but my mind is still acting like a 20-year-old and those kind of things, right? It's kind of those those kind of reflections on life and and how I think about my kids when I'm out traveling around in the world. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it turned out really good. I'm really happy with it. And so, yeah, I believe I'll, I'll give you that one. So it's called Learning Curve, and it was recorded at Frequency 
Well, originally it was recorded at frequency. The way he does it, he likes to record it live on the floor in the, in the, with all the bottles of wine, which is right. really cool. And then he makes a video for you and, and uh, promotes his winery that way. So the song was, was good enough that I took it into my own studio and completely redid it. Mm-hmm. Brought my band in and got my drummer to play on it and all that stuff. So, right. yeah, it turned out really mm-hmm. good. So, Jimmy, would you like to nominate someone to come on the show in the future? Actually, I would love to. I'm not sure if uh, Brad Krause has been on this show yet, but oh, yeah. he is the... Um, yeah, how do you spell his last name? His last name is spelled K-R-A-U-Z-A. Krause. And he's a very nice guy. He owns Gonzo Okanagan. I'm wearing the shirt today. Right. Gonzo Okanagan, and they're an online magazine that does entertainment and the arts in Kelowna. And he's a wonderful musician, plays with the youngins and uh, Linus and... Mm-hmm. And just a, a great guy, and also a, a good philanthropist too. He um, he runs a charity golf tournament every year as well. So awesome. it'd be great to to hear him on here as well. Jimmy, thanks a lot for your time today. I uh, enjoy getting to know you a little bit better. Well, thank you for having me. I don't want 